Robertson. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. We'll be looking back on the cakewalk at Wembley as the Texans dismantle Minshew Mania and go 6-3. The bye week's coming up, much needed to get healthy before we take on a huge three-game stretch against the AFC and its elite. And thank you very much for joining us again, the Turn Up For What podcast. Apologies, we're a bit late this week in terms of some scheduling conflicts, but what a result and what a day Sunday was. Just want to say thank you as a Texans fan to all the other fellow Texans fans for making a huge effort and a, and a huge undertaking to come from a, a, an unbelievably large span of countries and regions of across the UK and abroad. And there was so many people donning the red, white and blue and as the game went on you saw the neutrals get into it and there was only one winner with that special guy number four at, at quarterback and it, 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 as this team is at a position now I think it, in some ways it can't be taken for granted certainly since I've been watching this team for the last nine years and this is the best team we've had since uh, you know the Matt Shabin we had you know nine to ten pro bowlers on the team and, and we don't quite have that same composition the roster but what we do have is some very, very special players and an offence that's turned into something quite excellent and, and quite a pleasure to watch. And you saw that with the with the neutrals really kind of getting into the game. So for all the people that travelled and all the people that the Texans took into your, or fell into your hearts over the weekend, then thank you because, you know, this team's going places and if you want to come along for the ride, the more the merrier. Anyway, let's get on and let's talk about the game. So going into this game, we had Fuller, Roby Gibson and Lonnie Johnson Jr. not making the trip due to concussion, the plane ride of the eight or nine hours on the what looked like a luxurious Virgin Atlantic charter that the uh, NFL office had put on for them. Uh, certainly was uh, certainly seemed to be um, a, a trip that, the, the, you know, O'Brien sort of trying to kind of, you know, um, taken their stride but ultimately you've got to remember it's a huge undertaking for a franchise and all the practice equipment all the players and everything to, to make that journey and so you know the, the concern was you know we had both tackles potentially not being able to play um, Tunsil was ruled out before the game which was a concern against the Jacksonville front and it was something actually when, when it was all said and done didn't matter uh, Last week's pod, you know, its title was, you know, in the Minshew zone and uh, it was very much a case of zone and that was a conscious wording there because it looks like, you know, or it certainly seems to be the case if you can play, you know, complex zone looks on on defence against inexperienced quarterbacks, it can tend to make them look like something and other times that they've not and... I think the wheels came off and for the Minshew mania and you know it was a bit of tongue in cheek when you say that because obviously he seemed like a you know a real a real genuine guy and a, a college transfer of Washington State came into the league and he'd done really well and uh, it looks like now you know Nick Foles is going to replace him and we don't need to play the Jags again so it's not our worry um, really to this point now but it was a great um, a great defensive performance I think Romeo Cornell and that defensive front guys like Chuck Amenahu and and uh, and Jacob Martin came in, and we'll come on to the defense in a bit. But we played such a hugely stout game in defense, incredibly disciplined in our passing rush lanes, 
um, which really contributed to this result and holding the Jacksonville Jaguars to three points. Ultimately, this team's an offensive-led team, uh, and you know, and the main man was out in force once again. He was he was uh, two touchdowns, two hundred and thirty-eight yards, to just over two hundred in the air, which was quite a conservative game plan. Only threw the ball twenty-two times. Um, some un- unbelievable, but yet characteristic scrambles and rollouts and 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 uh, plays which he just kept alive despite the original play design breaking down and. And the guy just really encapsulated the crowd, I think, as the game went on. Uh, the first half, it was reasonably conservative. But Duke Johnson, again, he's now the top 10 or a top 10 rusher in the league. 160 yards on Sunday, I'm sure he'll want that one back. If he just switches the ball in his left hand, he's, he's got a 58-yard touchdown, which would have been his, probably his, his best play this season. But... Deshaun Watson and Duke Johnson continue to hook up. Duke was the leading receiver on this team, wide receiver one on Sunday, uh, partly just because he, he is just such a threat. He runs routes just as well as any wide receiver, but yet he got his first rushing touchdown of the season. I think that play really encapsulated Sunday. Uh, Duke, it's an outside stretch zone play, gets to the DB, trucks him into the end zone, and then the, the, the angle from behind you could see a number of guys, particularly a guy wearing Brady 12 jersey, jumps to his feet. And, and as odd as that may seem, and you know perhaps slightly contrived in many ways, but it, it just shows you the way the Texans played and dominated the game, that you know even guys like that, that claim of an allegiance to perhaps what is one of the enemies um, of this franchise was was on our side on Sunday just with the way they played. So it was a hugely dominant performance. And guys like Deshaun and Hopkins, and they, they flocked to the f- fans at the end of the game because these guys know they're smart, right? They, they know that this is a great chance to to improve their brand and, and grow the, their, you know, their potential earnings and, and, and endorsements and, you know, post-career opportunities. And, you know, and, and they did that and they celebrated with the fans like no other game I've ever been to, um, you know, and that was, I think that was my 12th or... 13th game watching the team and I've never seen the players come to the fans like that quite like they did at the end of the game um, but it was a fantastic show and I think and you you could see what it meant and, and perhaps some relief as well after all the strain of travelling and as we said we've got the bye coming up and, and, we'll, and, and it was much needed but I think you've got to just look back and, and perhaps drink this offence in a bit and just appreciate what Tim Kelly, Bill O'Brien you know, Brad Smith have done on this coaching staff to get this, you know, and Mike Devlin as well and the improvements he's made. He's very much the run defense, you know, the run uh, offense coordinator. It certainly has been um, and a big part of the, those plans. But I think you've just got to really appreciate where this offense has got to now uh, under this coaching staff. The Texans, as we stand today, before uh, the other teams catch up potentially in their buy, are first in total offense, last in third and out percentage. Uh, under 20%. Third in passing touchdowns, we've got a top 10 uh, rusher, uh, as we said, with 704 yards with Carlos Hyde. Watson's the top 10 in rushing yards. He's fourth in QBR overall. 25 touchdowns that Deshaun has contributed to this team leads the league. Five through the air and 18, eight, sorry, 18 on the air and five through the ground. The guy's playing at a, an MVP level and, and that was evident. You could, at no point did I, this on Sunday, to ever feel that we weren't going to win that game is and, and many times do you not when that guy's got the ball in his hand at the end of games and it was it was really you know really good to watch i think the biggest changes as well of this offense is the running back duo for the uh, for the longest time and certainly not under bill o'brien have we had nfl caliber 
running backs, guys who are actually know how to get in the hard yards. And Lamar Miller, I don't, I don't ever blame him because he was misused. He was a third down scat back. Uh, with with some real kind of athleticism, and they got him to put on weight and ground him between the tackles, and potentially, you know, as as he got injured, unluckily through the, at the start of the season. But that has been the biggest blessing of this team, unfortunately. And Lamar, you know, put a lot of hard yards in for this team, um, but he he certainly has been it's been a huge uptick uh, with with not having to watch the Alfred Blue and and. Uh, and Miller one-two combination, but the the Duke Johnson versatile running back, and then an absolute pounder in in Carlos Hyde that doesn't give up, um, you know, it doesn't give up many cheap yards and get caught in the backfield, and he's always falling forward, and he's always looking to you know to take contact. And I think what what really kind of started the play or started the the flow of the play rather in this game was the early run, uh, which I, I saw Brian Baldinger called it out on Twitter, and at the time it just kind of looked like that our line had come to play, and obviously Titus Howard coming back, tough guy, absolutely sterling first round pick, he's been after some much, you know, muchly criticised, taking the guy where they did, but came back in, stabilised the right side of the line, all of a sudden Zach Fulton looks better, and uh, and, the, and the loss of Laramie Tunsil was able to was able to be uh, was able to be shielded with 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 the uptick in everybody else's play, but the play that I was referencing there was 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 Car- was Carlos Hyde is is in the uh, in the backfield looks like he's about to be stopped, and then a three man truck just coming and push him and get and get him another three or four yards, and actually be dominated at the line of scrimmage. And Jacksonville, albeit strong pass rushing side, are not the best against the against the run. So it was a great performance, I think, in that sense on the offense and, and how the running backs have improved that they continue showing and it led to the first touchdown as well of those quick rollouts and the dump off passes and it's an extension of the running game uh, into, into Darren Fells and what season he's having now six touchdowns on the year and the involvement between him and uh, and Jordan Aitkins has, has been you know a, a reliable targets and Deshaun now trust these guys and the wealth of options starts to grow and the quick passes to Stills and Hopkins, putting Hopkins inside in the slot. You know, we just continue to find wrinkles and ways to move the chains and make this offense a really, you know, a really dominant force. And, um, and you know, and then you, and then when it all breaks down and the, and the play comes off schedule, Deshaun just does his thing and looks and, you know, and looks like Superman out there at times. And it's just so good to watch fluid in his movement. And Doug Marone was, you know, absolutely effusive in his praise of him after, but in the way he said, you know, I think sometimes you've just got to say that, you know, this is this what happens, and he, uh, he, you know, and he, the way in which he spins in one movement with his head up, as he as he knows exactly where he needs to get out of, uh, get out of the pressure, it's just something, you know, excellent. I think, and it's just so good to watch. And sometimes these can be, you know, 15, 20 yard net swings instead of a. You know, a five-yard loss is it's a it's a fifteen-yard gain, and it just makes such a difference to the offense. Look, the penalties were out in force again, false starts, and you know this team will have to cut that out. We've been saying that all season, um, but I think you've just got to just sit back and appreciate you know the talent that was on show on Sunday, and it was something special. The defence came up big, huge question marks during the week in terms of how would the, the front or what would the front look like in JJ Watt's absence and uh, Carlos Watkins, uh, Chuck Amenehu and, and, and uh, Jacob Martin came in um, to take his shoot of snaps and there's always going to be a hole in O'Brien 
said that when, when a, a star player goes out, it, it, it's certainly a loss. And as we touched on the po- podcast last week, it, it certainly it's uh, it starts to get more in the X's and O's. It becomes a team game at that point when you've not got a superstar edge rusher to rely on. And it was it was purely a team performance, the discipline and the and the uh, and the way in which the the, the front rushed and and and, and contained Minshew in the pocket to make him look into the uh, into the secondary with with a huge heavy emphasis on zone coverages. And you you saw. Uh, Jalila Dye getting his first interception of the season as did Justin Reed and as the wheels came off of the Jacksonville offence as they tried to push late on for a, an entry point into this game and the offence and uh, the, the sack started to, to uh, appear and, and two forced fumbles so it padded out the stats for the Texans for the day but it, it capped off what was truly a defensive performance that uh, Romeo and the and the coaching staff can can look back on as a as one to savor in the team and I think the big questions and obviously the, the vast majority of the starters and of injuries were were from the were from the secondary but the addition of Garen Connolly in this team continues to be good now there was a couple of times where he just got there and uh, and the ball was perhaps maybe should have been caught there particularly that one when the and it run run a sort of uh, a deep post into and the end zone it's just dropped right in the end just towards as Minshew and the offense started to to really trying to be a bit more aggressive and hence the, the, the turnovers start to come in their droves uh, for this team uh, after not having won the week prior but um, the two linebackers I think are just playing at an elite level the guys that came in the secondary Keon Cross and I've still I've got a liking for that guy he seems to be able to just do enough you know in pass coverage and he's a great special teams contributor uh, Cornell Armstrong you know flashed on, on the tape as well and they really just as a defense came to, together as a unit which is something you, you know that the best defenses do you don't necessarily need to rely on stars and just play sound fundamental football and, and that was exactly what happened and we completely shut down the Jacksonville team and look we could probably do a podcast and DJ Reader on his own and just the guy is just an absolute game wrecker he's taken his game so far forward this season Anthony Weaver who I think is a as a head coach in waiting, uh, when you watch him speak, and he was talking about DJ this week in the uh, in the in the customary bye week coaches interviews, and he just said how proud he was, and you could tell he was beaming a you know beaming with pride at a, one of his disciples and the guy he's worked with for the last few years. It's just taking his game another level, absolutely bulldozing people out the way, and uh, he he's he's a real force in the middle. And actually, I think it's a, a legitimate question. And and Pat, who we had on last week, Pat Starr from StateTheTexas.com, put an article this week which I was reading, and he and he said, look, I think it's now a legitimate um, consideration that that DJ is a three down player. He came into this team as a late round pick, two down gap filler. You know, a space eater in the middle to go and let other guys work, but uh, he's he, he, he's become so much more than that. So he's a great player for this team. Um, Zach and Bmac at the linebackers as well. They just seem to be on. You know, I think that the communication and the and the familiarity those two guys have together in the middle there just you know just creates such a strong uh, spine of this defense, and uh, and it's uh, it's something that that you know that that. Are playing at a high level that will allow this team to team to you know to play de- you know sound defense. We we'll need some big performances out of Whitney. I think. I mean, he had a great start of the season. He's kind of tailed off in terms of his uh, in terms of his big flash plays and forced fumbles and um, etc. But he you know I think he's always there to break out and hopefully you know Romeo is going to have to work hard to, to get this defense to to find a way um, to 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 be able to. 
to, to hold solid and you know it's going to have its up and its down days but if we can get these guys healthy and an improved certainly on paper cornerback position from going to the start of the season then it looks like we can if we can just hold up front and be sound in our gaps and I think we've got a chance particularly with this offence Kemi Faber missed a 58 yarder I can't criticise him too much for that I think the operation of the of the uh, of the of the special teams and particularly the the, the, the place kicks seem to be better um, in the last two weeks and look I think Kaimi's a, a good guy and he's a level headed uh, kicker and he's, he's been good for this team so look in terms of in terms of that the 50 you're not going to not going to uh, get on him too much on that but again it's just something to watch because it's missed a few points obviously we had the, the point after blocked but um, I think that was potentially somebody that uh, on the edge that, that missed their missed their man so look it's it's just it was obvious on the tape who it was, but then you never quite know the assignments in terms of in terms of who uh, and two had it had him there. So overall, special teams was 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 average. It'll need to be good as the games get tighter and these penalties, you know, on both sides of the ball, will need to be cautious of. But we've got a big game, a big three game stretch coming up after the bye, and which is easily against you know three of the AFC teams in the top the top eight, which will define our season. Taking a look around the league for your Houston Texans here. After the win on Sunday, the Texans are back at top of the AFC South and in, in, in a seed in the playoff race as we stand at the halfway point. The Colts lost in Pittsburgh are the sixth consecutive game that Indy have lost in there, losing after missing a last-minute field goal from veteran kicker Adam Vinatieri after kicking the game winner the week prior. Seems to be out um, out on a, on a potential limb in that in that city uh, with some a lot of missed kicks this season. Biggest story coming out of that game was Jacoby Brissett not managing to to make through the game. Brian Hoyer, ex-Texan, was back out there for 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 a reasonable uh, proportion of the game with a potential MCL injury. For Jacoby Brissett, so something potentially to watch as the Texans play them in three weeks' time. The Panthers evened out the Tennessee Titans. Christian McCaffrey looks like he's on an MVP trajectory. Him and Russell Wilson seem to be the, the two front runners for the position behind your man and potentially in third place in Deshaun. Uh, overtime win against Tampa Bay for the Seahawks as they continue to, to, to be a, a force in the NFC. Cam Newton. Uh, was placed on IR um, uh, with a designation re- to return, but um, Coach Ron Rivera would not be drawn if he would be if he would return. But certainly something to watch and a shame for for Cam and a great player. Obviously, the AFC's favourite team in uh, Cleveland seems to continue to implode. I think the coach seems to be over his head there, and obviously the the picture of Baker Mayfield that's been shown around the world is comedy gold. I suggest you have a look at the before I signed in and now <laughs> now in Cleveland. Uh, nine weeks in uh, and what it will do to you Um, the Jets lost to a team in Miami which are actively trying to lose so potentially changes for Joe Douglas coming in uh, when he inherited coach Adam Gase so watch that one there Trubisky uh, in Chicago has asked asked the staff to turn off the sports channels in the practice facility because he's upset of the continual criticism and doesn't think it's good for the building so again I would perhaps suggest that he would uh, it's uh, self self led that, but uh, but uh, we'll see we'll see if the uh, if the, the TVs go off in Chicago. The Chargers, after a good win against Green Bay, their owner 
uh, responded in a rather stern manner um, as he in, in response to the uh, rumours of a, that team potentially moving to London. Um, I think it's safe to say that uh, it'll not be on his watch. Um, Baltimore and New England was the Sunday night game, and that's the uh, the two of the Texans' next three opponents. So uh, I'll be watching that tape back this week and. Uh, um, it just shows you there'll be a stern test for this team as, as in this next three game stretch which is, is going to be tough uh, for this team and the week was rounded off by the by the Giants and the Cowboys the highlight of this game believe it or not was a stray black cat on the field so showed you the quality of play at that one And that's all we've got time for this week on the Turn Up For What podcast. Thank you very much for joining us and what a weekend it was in Wembley. We'll be back next week to take a look around the league and also to take a look at the upcoming massive game for your Texans in Baltimore. The AFC South against the AFC North's finest. So we'll see how that one goes and we'll be getting ready for it with you next week. Wherever you're downloading from, where I'll be signing off for all you beautiful Texans out there, we are Texans. Texans.